This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 40. This episode features Tasha Van Aken. Tasha Van Aken is the campaign manager for Julia Salazar, who's running for state senate in New York, representing uh, the North Brooklyn area, which of course includes Bushwick. Um, I had a great time talking with her. Uh, Also, earlier today, I was hanging out with my friend at Coney Island, and Mario came up and said, what's up? Um, Recognized me from the podcast um, online and whatnot. Thanks for uh, saying what's up. Um, Shout out to you and Cloudy Soft. No matter what you believe, uh, no matter what your views are, I think it's important that we uh, be able to talk about them Um, And I think it's important for your voice to be heard. So in the show notes for this episode will be information on Julia Salazar and her platform, as well as links to vote. Um, Use your voice, get involved, uh, say something, do something. And uh, without further ado, this is Tasha Van Aken from uh, the campaign for Julia Salazar for state Senate. Let's have a conversation. Tasha Van Aken. So, um, quick question by your last name. Um, is that a Dutch or a German name at all? It's a Dutch name. Um, it's my grandfather's adopted father's name, though. So, I might be a little Dutch. Yeah. But along with a like, bazillion other things. Right. Like, <laughs> most people <Yeah. laughs> um, everywhere, actually. Like, yeah. everywhere, even in Europe, that's, that's the case. Uh, I was asking because Laura, um, she's from Amsterdam. Oh, um, okay. And, Yeah. Also within her family, there's still plenty of, like, you know, mix and history. Yeah. Um, so what is your uh, position on the Julia Salazar campaign? Uh, I'm Julia's campaign manager. Cool. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming and <laughs> sitting down talking with me. My pleasure. Um, actually, yeah, wasn't sure what specifically because, you know, PR people, um, when did the campaign start? When, when did she start running? Uh, so I uh, joined in April, but uh, she announced, I believe in uh, March, um, announced her candidacy. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, I joined in April along with one other um, on our staff. And um, since then, our staff has grown to, there's a whopping four of us. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she's running as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the dist- I mean, it's my district, but what is the district and what is the position she's running for exactly? So Julia is running for state Senate, um, in the 18th district. Uh, and that is basically North Brooklyn. So it's, uh, a big, big part of Greenpoint. Um, uh, uh most of Williamsburg, pretty much all of Bushwick, um, Cypress Hills, um, and a little bit of Bed-Stuy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's running as a Democrat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also a member of DSA. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what that means a little bit? Sure. Uh, so uh, Julia has been a member of Democratic Socialists of America uh, for, I think, about the same time as a lot of for about the same period of time as a lot of people have been members. Um, I think she's been a member a little bit longer than I have. I joined in January of 2017. Um, I think she joined uh, towards the end of 2016. Um, and that's that's when Democratic Socialist America really sort of had this big membership um, increase um, after the Trump election. Um, and so I think... You know, DSA is a democratic organization, um, chapter-led, which means it's led by the local chapters um, and not not led by by the national body, uh, which I think is really important. Um, and she's been a member of the NYC chapter for that length of time. Uh, she was recruited 
um, from within DSA to run, though the really, um, I think the thing that makes Julia a really exciting candidate is that she um, has a history of activism and organizing outside of DSA um, and worked for a group called uh, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, um, with which she's on, she's on a leave of absence from them right now. But so she has, she has a lot of networks outside of DSA as well. But, um, but yeah, she, she's been a member of DSA for a year and a half, maybe almost two years. And do you know what uh, drew her in and also uh, what drew you in? Um, well, I don't want to speak too much about Julia's motivations right. at the time for joining DSA. I think it's safe to say that a lot of people were attracted to DSA and were drawn in because it um, presented um, an active way forward in a really um, confusing and, and pretty scary moment. Um, so I don't think there are probably many people who, who wouldn't say that that's like part of the reason they joined DSA. Um, for me, I... Uh, I had uh, co-founded a, a grassroots network in New York, in New York called Team Bernie NY during the Bernie uh, campaign, and through that process, and that that was purely grassroots, so I wasn't on staff with Bernie or anything like that, and we were purely just networking and creating a system for all of the grassroots groups that were popping up throughout New York, um, and through that process, I think. I think by the end of the Bernie campaign, and in particular after Trump won, uh, I knew that I wanted to participate in something. Um, it was very much a like, what's next kind of a moment. Uh, and I, the, the things that I knew, I knew that I wanted to participate in something that was democratic, that had a democratic process. Um, and that's something, and I wanted to participate in something that I could be a part of building. Um, and during the Bernie campaign, uh, one of the groups that we did some work with who I noticed were, were on the ground was, uh, was DSA. Um, they were much smaller at that time, but I noticed that they were also out there doing voter registration, um, contacting voters, and that's something that like, when you're doing that, you notice other groups doing it because a lot of people don't do that. Um, and so there was something very accessible, even at that point before the, the membership grew, uh, that really appealed to me. Uh, so I sort of had a hunch that that might be where I ended up, but I didn't actually know a lot of people who were in DSA. Uh, and then uh, in January of 2017, I, I sort of dug around and asked around, and I knew also that I wanted to work, do electoral work. Um, and I went to a very early electoral meeting um, and yeah, I was sold. Um, I walked into a room and everybody's friendly. There's uh, a lot of, lot of intelligent, creative people who ask questions, who are curious, who ask you your name. Um, there was an agenda. Um, we split up into different groups. We got stuff done. And all of those things combined to me, it's just like, yes, that's It was what a I good fit and yeah. lined up with what, like the direction you wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about it a little bit off the mic, but one of the things in 2016, and it's like a debate that keeps happening now with like the, the DNC and more establishment Democrats. Uh, first of all, like I think a lot of people across the board, across like the whole country, a lot of people um, feel disenfranchised from the establishment, period. Um, now on the right side of that, people who are more traditionally like Republican leaning, um, a lot of them were the ones who like broke for Trump in the general election. Um, and then you have third party candidates um, and there's a debate about whether or not like voting third party in a tight race, whether it's a spoiler. Um, even though when there's a third party candidate um, a lot of times there's like a libertarian, which more pulls from Republicans and then, you know, Green Party, that's more left leaning in general. Um, but the idea of like voting for third party, some people say is a wasted vote. Um, it's selfish and blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't I don't believe that at all, because I really do believe in the idea of democracy. Like, I believe in the idea of. If everybody actually voted and Trump ended up winning. I would not like that. But then 
like I would feel like my work or like our work would be if like I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Trump, then the work is to communicate with the people and like figure out like you know figure out where they're at and try to win people over. That would be the work. Um, that said, what DSA is doing, and I think Working Families kind of does this, um, running candidates um, under like as Democrats, but with the backing of the the DSA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So kind of yeah, just kind of I guess what is the strategy with DSA and and doing that? Yeah. Um, well, I, I can speak most intelligently to NYC DSA because all the chapters throughout the country uh, operate differently, um, have different strategies based on what what their uh, what their districts look like, what their voting laws look like. Um, New York has really repressive voting laws, um, and it basically prevents people from running third part on a third party line. Um, basically, if you're not a registered Democrat, you're, you're essentially shut out of a democratic process. Um, so I think that that plays a huge role. That, that That's the reason why um, DSA is running um, a candidate like Julia um, and that she's running on the Democratic Party line because we want to win. We want, we want her to be in office. Um, I think that uh, the, so the, the New York City strategy uh, is... Uh, I think, yes, we want candidates to win, and I think it's important for us always to say that because I think um, uh, oftentimes, especially on the left, um, it you know we can we can often like have these political projects and be unsuccessful in like the sort of end goal of them the the theoretical end goal of them but say like oh well it was worth it for x y and z reasons and i think that that's the case with a lot of these projects and electoral projects even you know we ran two candidates last year um or we i should say we endorsed two candidates last year um neither one of them won but they were extraordinarily uh beneficial and useful and have informed uh, DSA's work this year. So there, there is a use to it, but I, but I think it's also important to add, like, we also want these candidates to win. Right. Um, but I think, uh, uh, aside from that, I think something that's really important to NYC DSA electoral work is um, learning how to run campaigns um, and learning how to, 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 you know, sort of building up institutional knowledge that helps DSA become this force that can that can approach a candidate and the kinds of candidates that we want to run. So, like working people, um, we're not you know we're not looking for people who have law degrees necessarily or who have a lot of money. Um, we're looking for people who represent the working class, um, and we want to create opportunities for them to run for office. And if there's one thing I've learned, um, like many times over. Uh, being Julia's campaign manager, it says it's really, really hard to run for office. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly difficult. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional and financial burden on the candidate. Um, it's incredibly hard to. Uh, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through um, just to get on the ballot. Um, legal, legal hoops you have to jump through. Financial hoops you have to jump through. Um, you have to have an understanding of how to, you know, report, do reports um, for all your finances. You have to know how to run a field program. You have to understand how to interact with the press. Um, there's a whole lot. Um, so it's 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 really quite difficult to sort of say to somebody like, oh, run for office, and then you know they might be like, great. Sure, I want to run for office, um, and then okay, how do what do I do? You know, and and I think that's where um, DSA can play a really really powerful powerful role. And it's this you mentioned Working Families Party, and I would say the same for them. Um, when you have these organizations that can say to a, a candidate who's a really good candidate and might otherwise not be able to run, they can say, well, we're going to help you. We have expertise in these things, and we're going to support you, and we're going to um, help manage your comms, and we're going to help uh, design things, and we're going to help make sure that you're compliant um, and all sorts of stuff. Um, that's a huge. That's what allows people to run for office, who should run for office. Um, and I think that that's what DSA in, in New York um, and probably elsewhere in the country, I just can't speak to that as well, um, is starting to develop. Um, and, it's, and it's pretty remarkable because it's being developed through an entirely volunteer structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing, like with like the, 
one thing I'm just going to address right away is like the, and, and it's changing. And I think Bernie showed that people were ready for new paradigms of uh, political affiliations in the country. And that's the, the dirty S word, the dirty socialist word. Um, and what democratic socialism specifically. Um, so I was listening to another podcast earlier and somebody shared that there was a poll. Um, I think that Fox news did recently and it kind of backfired (laughs) because it basically asked people like, Oh, would you like, this is how much Medicare for all like would cost and like how many of you would support it and something like 70 something percent of their like, you know, listeners and followers supported it because people like need and deserve health care. <laughs> like, and you know, and this is also at a time when like huge war budgets all of a sudden are getting drafted while there are still homeless veterans and, you know, veterans without like medical protection. So there's these huge military spending where the soldiers aren't even being taken care of properly. Um, so the money is there for that for some reason, but it's not there for, for the people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess like the, for people that are kind of afraid of it, they think that democratic socialism means, um, nobody can have ambition and like, it's like against small business. Uh, would you say that that's, this is is kind of a leading question, but, um, (laughs) What would you say to that? I mean, I think democratic socialism, um, I, I think with DSA, it's a, you know, people refer to it as a big 10 organization. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's many people interpret different things many ways. I think, uh, Julia would say that for her democratic socialism means that everybody has the right to healthcare. Um, everybody free healthcare, everybody has the right, um, to affordable, like truly affordable housing. Um, basically that every person has the right to lead, you know, um, a, a, a life and has the right to resources. Um, and that those things shouldn't be reserved for the wealthy only. Um, I think that for me, the Democrat, um, the democratic part in democratic socialism is really important. Uh, that's the most important thing for me is that there's a democratic process behind everything that the organization does that's holding it up. And also, I think most importantly, like building buy-in amongst its members. Um, so if there's a democratic process, like a truly democratic process to endorse a candidate, that means those members are going to feel um, like they're a part of that um, and they had something to do with that and that's going to mean that they feel very committed to making sure that this is it's a successful political project um so uh yeah i think i think that you know you're you'd ask you probably could ask 10 different people in dsa what it meant you'd get 10 different answers for sure and that's good also (laughs) i Um. think it's great i think that the variety of opinion and perspective is enormously powerful. Um, I know for me, and I'm probably like, you know, there's a lot of young people in DSA and like, I'm young, but I'm not as young as a lot of the people in DSA. I'm definitely probably a little bit on the older side. And for me, it's been, you know, still this incredible, incredible learning experience um, because I don't think I've ever been in a position or a situation where I've had to participate in democratic processes on such a regular basis. And what that's meant for me is that I've, I've learned how to debate, how to have debates with people that I'm like very good friends with, that I work alongside every day. Um, you learn how to disagree with people and, and keep moving forward. Um, and I think that's really, I think that there's, there's something really important in that. It was like, that's like the bedrock for really building something, you know, rather than just tearing something apart. Um, so I think, I think the diversity of opinion and perspective is, is incredibly important. It's one of the things that I really love about, about DSA. That was probably one of the things that, uh, it disillusioned me in some ways, but also opened my eyes. So when you talk, you're talking earlier about, we want these candidates to win. We want Julia Salazar to win. Um, with Bernie Sanders, for me, if you asked me four years ago, um, or you know, like the last couple of years of Barack Obama's presidency, um, who I thought like the Democratic nominee at that time was going to be, 
and I thought it was going to be Hillary Clinton. I didn't know who Bernie Sanders was. I didn't know he was running. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I first started hearing about him, I thought he was going to be one of these people that you hear about um, and kind of gets like some buzz underneath them. But what's happened to me with some of those candidates before is when I start to learn more about them, there are things that don't really line up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Bernie, it was like, Everything that he was saying and running on lined up, um, made sense. And like he had a consistency in his record. And the other thing about him was the, the only thing in the, like the beginning when I, when I started getting interested was I, I didn't think that enough people, I didn't think enough people believed the same thing. And so what his campaign showed me is that actually, yeah, there's millions of people um, who are hungry mm-hmm. and ready for like an, an actual change. Mm-hmm. And I think Barack Obama, like Barack Obama is an interesting one because I think pre-presidency, he was more idealistic and more aligned. I mean, they, they were aligned on some things back in the day. And I like... You know, I don't give Barack Obama a pass on everything. Like, I think for me, hands down, he was the best president in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. But I was born into Ronald Reagan. Um, And my dad, you know, worked in civil rights. My mom um, worked like for the Native American, for the Puyallup Indian tribe in Seattle. Um, And Reagan was not like I like I was aware of what was going on as a kid, like that Reagan was not aligned with what my parents were fighting for. Um, But now, like, how far right the country as a whole has gone, because, like, of the Democrats constantly Mm kind of catering, trying to, like, bring the olive branch. But what they do is they they go to the center, and the Republicans seem to keep taking it more right. Mm -hmm. Um, But what woke me up was, one, that there's a lot of people that are ready for like what Bernie Sanders was saying. And the thing with Obama is I think like straight up, I mean, there was a lot of racism that he was dealing with. So there was a lot of obstruction. Mm -hmm. There would have been anyway, but because he was the first black president, um, there was a lot of resistance to it. So Mm -hmm. like he had a, like it was a tough thing. Now that I'm not giving him a pass for because there's things I don't like that he did. Um, but Bernie, I feel had he been elected, um, and had he been president following Barack Obama, like he had a great opportunity to actually do some major change for the entire system, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of, there were things that Barack Obama was doing, especially towards the very end that I think Bernie would have been able to pick up Mm -hmm. and carry forward with all the support of the people. And what woke me up is that I felt before that the Democratic, like the Democrat Party um, was supposed to be a big tent. Like, so not every Democrat um, has to be all the way left. Um, You know what I mean? You you can have more moderate Democrats, more economically conservative Democrats. What that election showed me or what it told me, what it made me feel is that the the Democratic Party, like as a national organization, doesn't really support more leftist voices. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was like disillusioning and disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, I, the first campaign I ever worked on was Obama's 08 campaign um, in Pennsylvania. And uh, I think that for sure that, that, that campaign tapped in was like started tapping into a lot of the stuff we're seeing now really sort of popular visions though obviously watered down especially after after the election yeah um but the ideas were really resonant with people um and i you know that i i didn't have really much experience in electoral politics at that time but um pretty quickly when i um worked on that campaign i the thing that was really sort of eye-opening to me and startling in a good way it sort of just like woke me up was um the the way that popular ideas um 
around like the needs that most people have um, bring community together and build power. Um, and uh, I, I remember being like really sold on like, oh, this is what I want to do when I, when I worked on that campaign, but also kind of confused because I didn't really care so much about Obama. Like I was like, yes, yes, yes. He should win. Great, great, great. I'm working on this campaign. But the thing that moved me and compelled me and got me out of bed every morning and working seven days a week um, was, was the community that I was working, working with and the fact that like, I basically like, stepped into this location and became part of this community um, you know, in like three days you know, and then was like, you know, tied to all of these people um, in a really profound way. Um, and going to doors and, and talking to strangers and having these difficult conversations and sort of coming out of it with this like really renewed sort of um, hopeful, and I hate to use the word like hopeful, especially when we're talking about Obama because it, like, it became overused, but, but, but truly like this really incredible sense of hope of what, what can happen under those circumstances. Um, and I think that, you know, Whatever, you know, whatever happened in the eight years that followed, that always stuck with me, um, that feeling and how valuable the sort of circumstances are and the way that popular ideas um, can motivate people to organize together, to connect with others. Um, and I think we saw a lot of that with Bernie um, as well, obviously. Um, I think that one of the mistakes, you know, we we don't have to talk about Obama's policy. We could talk about organizing. I think one of the, the biggest mistakes that happened with his campaign is that um, the sort of uh, uh, this network, this grassroots network, um, wasn't sort of left to organize right. further afterwards. Instead, it was literally sort of handed over to the DNC, yeah. where the DNC basically like killed it. You know, I didn't real. I just was hearing somebody talk about that also because I I, I volunteered some for him mm -hmm. um, also like in 08. So I and now so that that explains why I'm on all the DNC <laughs> different mailing lists. Um, but yeah, I remember feeling activated and then. Yeah, there was nowhere Nothing to go. Nothing really happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was like, wait a minute. There's, there was, I remember the excitement at the end and then just nothing happened. Um, and I think the, 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 the fascinating thing about Bernie's campaign is that I think because they probably didn't think they were going to win at first and didn't really have the organizing capability or the resources to have, to be sort of positioned all over the country, there was a lot of just like spontaneous growth of the grassroots. Um, that was, you know, fueled certainly by sort of Occupy Wall Street days and that language and like an understanding of what people were fighting for. Um, and Bernie's campaign was this sort of really unique opportunity for a lot of local groups and communities to learn how to organize um, together. Um, and uh, I think that, I think that, yeah, I think you touched on it exactly, you know, like the most amazing thing is, is was yeah like it 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 helped people understand that oh i'm not the only one that wants these things these are actually really popular policies healthcare for all duh like there's nothing more popular than that like yes i should be able to afford to live in the neighborhood that i grew up in you know all all sorts of things um and yes like politicians shouldn't be taking massive amounts of money um from corporations um you know and on and on and on these are all really popular policies um which is you know, bringing this back to sort of Julia's campaign and North Brooklyn um, and what's happening right now is that I think, you know, the sort of curtain has been thrown open a little bit on the political establishment. Um, and people are seeing like, oh, these ideas are actually really popular, which means like we can win these races. We can challenge these bad Democrats, these Democrats who have been moving more and more to the center. We can challenge them with good candidates and with enough people on their side, like, we can win. Um, we can win these races. We're not going to win all of them. We're going to lose a bunch too, but like they're winnable. They're not unwinnable the way that we've sort of been told that they are right. for years. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, an important thing of people knowing that they have, people knowing that they have power, like that they mm -hmm. have a voice and that their voice counts and means something. Um, one of the big arguments, like these new kind of right wing um the like new kind of intellectual um 
talking heads um, on like right wing economics. Like uh, Sam Harris comes to mind. There's a couple of people, but like one of the arguments that I hear from them is that no, 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 like um, people who all of a sudden are going for socialism, they got it wrong. Like socialism never works and capitalism is the only thing that ever worked. But here we are in late stage capitalism. It's not working. And like I, the argument that they're making, I feel like if if they actually like walk it through, it's that I don't think any... Like, I don't think capitalism works. I don't think necessarily, like, any ex- like any system in and of itself works. I think you need to take the best, like, learn different things from, from different systems and then know that your system's not going to be perfect unless the people get involved and continue to, like, work at it mm-hmm. and participate and, like, try to continually make it work better, you mm-hmm. know? That's the thing, like... The idea that socialism's bad and capitalism is good, like, why, why? Like, we have the one of the most wealthy countries and, like, some of the worst education and healthcare in the world. Like, for developed countries, definitely, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but people are disenfranchised and... and feel powerless. Yeah, like, it's... And in that way, like, it's it's working for corporations, but it's not really working for people. That's like the thing I think that happens in, in capitalism over time. It's like, if you, if you have enough money, then it seems to me right now, this is, this seems to be the way it's working right now is that if you have enough money, um, the rules don't really apply to you because, even if you face like some legal consequences, still you have enough money so you can like buy your way out of the mm-hmm. actual consequences, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that doesn't work. Yeah. Cause yeah. the average person can't do that. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think that like, uh, you know, that to me, like that connects directly back to what we were talking about at the beginning as, as far as like what the sort of usefulness of an organization like DSA or other organizations that are able to sort of be the resources for somebody without money who wants to run for office and be the voice of other people that are working people um, and how important that is. Um, and I think that, you know, I think it's, it's powerlessness. I also think that we don't have a lot of uh, forums anymore for community um our communities are often like our workplaces um which says a lot um you know i love my coworkers, especially right now but like in general i love my coworkers. but i want you know i want a sense of community and purpose outside of my job as well um you know julia's campaign is is unique in that it is all of that it's like all of that combined in one it's like nothing but community all the time um but i think that that's another thing that um becoming more politically engaged um, offers and something that I think is really appealing to people, um, especially in hard times, like like we're like scary times like we're experiencing right now um, is you can you can get involved in a political project where all, there are all these other people in, in, in Julia's uh, instance, um, hundreds and hundreds of other people who are participating and working together and like quite frankly working their asses off every day um, for a common purpose like yes to get her elected but I think the bigger purpose is like we feel like our neighbors deserve better you know our communities deserve better and we're literally fighting uh to to make people's lives better um and that's a really powerful thing and I don't think there are a lot of opportunities for it um and uh Yeah, so I think that that's another thing, you know, when you asked me earlier about DSA and what draws people in, but I think also, you know, not just DSA, but what draws people in to electoral campaigns, to Julia's campaign, um, I I think and I hope that that's also a part of it, that it's sort of this big community that will keep going, you know, it's a big movement that will keep going and is bigger than just this this one campaign. Um, How do people uh, get involved and if they want to learn more about um, what her positions are on things. 
Um, how do they do that? It's very easy. Um, probably the easiest thing to do is to just go to her website, salazarforsenate.com. And if you want to volunteer, it's also super easy. Uh, we basically uh, knock on doors um, in the community every day, um, every weekday at 6 p.m., every weekend at 3. Um, you can find all the upcoming events at Salazar for Senate backslash volunteer. Um, and I think, you know, I was just having a conversation uh, with a couple other people who are involved in the campaign last week about knocking on doors and uh, some buttons just got made. We have a bunch of different Julia buttons and different groups are making different buttons. But we have one that's introverts for Julia. And uh, we were talking about, because I'm, I'm fairly extroverted now, but I, I grew up extremely introverted. And uh, I was talking about how, oh, yeah, there are a lot of introverts that love knocking on doors. And we were talking about why that is. And I was like, I think that when you, like, you have all this sort of, like, anxiety about talking to people or, like, you know, being open with somebody you don't know, when you go and knock on a door and talk to a stranger, it just demystifies everything. Um, because, you know, nine times out of ten, the person is easy to talk to and is, is interesting in a way that you hadn't expected. Um, and I think it's a really... It's a, it's a personally empowering thing to sort of be able to get used to talking to strangers. Um, and uh, so I definitely, you know, when we say we're canvassing or knocking on doors, I just like to talk about it a little bit more to sort of describe what that is. And because I think sometimes people who haven't ever done it before don't necessarily know what it means. But you're really just having conversations with neighbors and nothing is more powerful and nothing will help um, this campaign be successful than that. And what, um, where, where are we in the process of, of the campaign right now? What's uh, coming up? <laughs> What's uh, important to know? We are a month away from the primary, which is uh, Thursday, September 13th. Uh, and we have four weeks left until we start get out the vote. And basically, so basically what we're doing now is talking to as many voters in the district as possible convincing them to vote for Julia, or sometimes just reminding them that there's an election. Uh, people people really like her, um, like we talked about. Uh, these are popular platforms. These are not things that are like shocking or radical to people. Um, people hear that she's the only candidate in the race that is not taking large sums of money, or any money, sorry, she's taking no money from uh, the real estate lobby or corporations. Um, whereas her opponent has taken tons of money over the years. People hear that she doesn't take money from those groups, and they're just like, oh, of course, that's who I want to vote for because the housing crisis is a crisis. It's really big. Um, and so when we talk about housing, that's, that's like a big part of her platform, obviously, and we're sort of, we're basically in North Brooklyn. We're in ground zero oh, yeah. of, the, of the housing crisis. Um, and so uh, we're, we're talking about issues. So when we're going to doors, we're not just talking about the candidate. We're talking about all the issues that's, that she stands for. Um, so we basically spend the next four weeks continuing to talk to people about that. And then the last few days, we make sure that all of our supporters know where and when to vote. So that's where we are. We're definitely, it's the last month of the race. It's, uh, it's exciting. Um, there's a lot going on. And uh, yeah. And, uh, and then when would the gen when's the general? It is, I believe, the second Tuesday in November. This is an extremely Democratic district. Mm. There's a reason I don't even remember the exact date of the right. general. It's because <laughs> the primary, like we talked about before, um, the primary is, is where the decision is going gonna, is gonna to be made. So that reminds me, because um, there's also Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, so she won her primary, and she's running, is she running, or what's her, what is she running for exactly? Congress. Okay. Um, because I know there was something about her primary, there was like a split primary. Like, and that was like one of the things that helped her win in a way, because um, there were like, and not like split, but yeah, split as far as like, um, some things were voted one day or some things or another. Do you know anything about that? I don't think that? so. There was just one day of voting. Maybe well, there's something else that... Well, well, but why... I mean, this is just a naive question maybe, but why, then why is this prime... Because like, she still has the general... Isn't the general also in November? Yes, the general's the same day as this general. I think that's what but it is. She is, a, is a, New York, uh, another way that New York is extremely confusing is that our federal primaries are on different 
a different timeline than state. I think that might be primaries. the thing yep. um, that I was getting at because yeah. that's she's running for Congress, so that's con- a federal mm-hmm. position, and it's a different primary. But yeah. it's a weird thing yep. for people to mm-hmm. keep to be able to keep track of. Um, yeah, it's super confusing. It's why we have very very low voter turnout. Um, especially in the, these races where you have like multiple elections in a year. Um, it's, it's super silly. And so <laughs> when you're canvassing, is that one of the other things you're really pushing also is for people to like register and make sure they, they come out. That's probably like one of the biggest things, right? Um, I think, uh, just, uh, letting people know there's an election is a very yeah. big thing. Um, I think, um, we certainly always do voter registration it's just sort of common, it's, it's common practice for us to always have voter registrations with us, forms with us. Um, the voter registration deadline is actually coming up to vote in the primary. Um, that's another thing. I, I mean, this is just a yeah. common thing, but wh- I don't understand why there would be a deadline yeah. for people to participate in the in the voting process you know i think that's a very good question Um, yeah you can you can sort of go point by (laughs) point by point with new york electoral law it's it makes it very hard for people to vote um it's it's and it's much of it is pointless you know and technically people can't be fired for missing work to vote right or they're not supposed to be um oh i think you have to be given time off from work to go go to the polls yeah, but then the polls are also open um, early to, to late here, 5 a.m. to 9, I think. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good, at least. Um, yeah. Because you hear the stories In the city. across the country mm-hmm. where, like, the time to vote is small and mm-hmm. the polling, like, the polling locations mm-hmm. have been closed. There's, like, yep. several hour lines. That, that I, I haven't experienced in New York, so that's one good thing. But, yeah, yeah. Um, uh is there anything else that you want to talk about today? Um, I mean, I think that this is a really exciting moment moment in time. Um, it's it's like terrifying in a lot of ways. There's a lot of horrible things that are happening. Um, and I know that when I talk to people who are involved with local politics, particularly, um, one of the reasons, one of the things that people I think experience and talk about is how it is a, and again, I'm going to use the word hope, but I'm trying to think of a better word, but I think it's a good word. It, I think it's important though. Like yeah. I, th- I think that was one thing. Um, so there are things and I've talked about it before, um, I supported Bernie and I, I voted for Jill Stein in New York mm-hmm. in the general knowing well aware, um, that this was a place to do that. And I think it's important for different voices to be represented. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things for me in doing that is for me and it's not, and I get, cause some people are like, well, don't be a baby. You can't ha-, like, but for me, one thing I realized one issue that's like a very important issue to me is the environment Mm -hmm. and the standing rock thing was happening right then. And there's a lot of different things, but if Hillary Clinton like would have said some, like that would have, that would have Mm -hmm. done it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I do believe that like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to vote. I'm going to participate, but I also believe like, every elected official has to earn my vote. I don't Mm -hmm. owe my elected official anything. They owe me. They're supposed to represent me. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. Oh, the word. So, yeah. So, um, so a lot of, so I do think that low, like I, I believe that and who knows, but again, if everybody voted and we had the same results, I would, I would support that idea. Um, I think that's how democracy is supposed to, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Get everybody to vote um, and then deal with it from there. But when almost half of the country's not voting, um, the democracy's not working, Mm -hmm. period, because half the people aren't participating. Yeah. Um, But a lot of blame has been placed on Bernie, and a lot of blame also has been placed back on Hillary. Now, I think there's plenty of blame to go around for like Trump winning. I don't think it's productive. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think 
uh, there are lessons to like, like, I think it's important to be accountable and look at what happened. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like, it's important to look at how Barack Obama won in 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, he came for, he was an underdog in that one. And people forget that that election got really contentious and nasty. Like the primary got really nasty at a certain point also, um, like really bad. Uh, not like similarly to what happened in 2016. Um, one of the things that Barack Obama did, though, was campaign on hope. And that that trumps, again, like that's a bad word, <laughs> but um, that hope, I, I think, like usually beats fear. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the Clinton campaign, one, like the inevitability thing, that's like my biggest critique is that that's just never a smart way to win. And I think that that's the same, like they didn't learn a lesson from 2008 because they ran on inevitability in 2008. And then there were blind spots, same thing in 2016. Um, but one of the mistakes also is, I mean, yeah, actually like Trump, like th this guy's a problem and we got to deal with him um, and like fight against like if, you know, I don't want to tell other people what to believe, but personally, like, you know, I, I'm worried about some of the stuff he's doing, but from a political like strategy view, one thing that he did was he, his campaign was like a double edged, like dog whistle. Cause make America great again was like a dog whistle for some really dark shit. But for some people it was at least kind of a pot. Like we were just like, yeah, like things aren't so good. So Mm -hmm. make it better. Um, and I think that towards the end, the Clinton campaign, it was like beat Trump, you know, instead of saying this is our really great, instead of focusing on a really positive platform, they made it about Trump and the general. And that doesn't work. Cause then he got all the, he got what mm -hmm. he wanted. He got all the attention. Yeah. So I get a little long winded sometimes, but <laughs> the point is like, I do think, especially with as dark as things, get um it is cliche um and people have said it different but like keeping hope alive is vital it's important mm -hmm. you need to have a vision for the future um and and i think the the vision that's sort of laid out by a lot of these sort of candidates on the left right now is is it's not radical it's totally attainable we see models of much of it in other countries other parts of the world um, and they're, they're really popular positions. Um, and I think it's great that we've gotten to a place where people aren't afraid to say, oh yeah, this is possible. Like, um, are we going to do it? Who knows? But like, we're working on it together. And I think, um, you know, it's, yes, it's about voting, but I actually think that we're at an age where like you mentioned the climate crisis, um, that's real. Like that's a, that's a, it's a pretty fucking big existential crisis that we're that we're dealing with there um, that constantly gets swept under the rug. Um, and I think that we're in a time that is urgent um, and that urgency is not going away anytime soon, you know. And I think that one of the most productive outlets um, to deal with that urgency um, and these crises is to become active and to participate in the political process in some way. You know, for me and for many people, um, that's through electoral politics in various ways. Um, there are other ways to participate for sure. Um, but I think in, in doing that, you also build hope for yourself and build community and build connections. And I think when you focus um, on that on a local level, it's manageable. Like when you focus on the national level, it's not manageable. It's like a soap opera mm -hmm. that you can't do anything about. Um, but when you focus on these, these things on a local level, like one person, and I've seen it happen, one person choosing to get involved in a campaign, like who says like, oh, I have the next month, you know, where like I'm a teacher or whatever. And you know what, I've decided I'm going to spend this next month working on this campaign like and that person's dedicated I've seen the way one person can completely change and alter um, the power of a, of a community or organization or project um, and so like that's a very powerful thing when somebody says they're going to give up 
um, what their time, their time with their kids or their time with their partner um, or their time, you know, relaxing or whatever it is that they do to, to work on this thing along with other people. It's incredibly powerful. So I, I obviously like I encourage people to vote like that's that's the project here. But I also I think it's it's enormously value valuable to participate and to do uncomfortable things, things that are a little scary. Like we're definitely in this moment of urgency where we have to challenge challenge ourselves and step into uncomfortable situations and talk to strangers and work through these difficult these difficult dilemmas and debate things. So that 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 I think would be my recommendation because I I, I think mostly you end up being surprised by the generosity of other people and um, the goodness in other people um, that you don't necessarily experience or see when you're sort of stepped away from from those interactions or watching things play out on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, when you were talking about that, like it just made me think the other thing about people being hungry for change and realizing that it's possible and that like it's not even it's not really even radical concepts because Mm -hmm. if you look at Holland, if you look at, of course, like Sweden and Norway, if you look at a lot of different places, like it, they have systems that work better for people on pretty much every metric, Mm -hmm. education, healthcare, basic quality of life, housing. Mm -hmm. Um, We can do better Mm -hmm. and we should do better. But so then, yeah, we have to get involved in, and yeah. be better, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's on all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, any fi- any last? <clears throat> uh, I don't think so. This was very comprehensive. <laughs> well, thank you very much for thank talking you. with me. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to know you're there and around yeah, the corner. Just down um, the block. Yeah. 82 Central Avenue. Yeah. Uh, keep me posted on things. Um, I have the calendar now. Um, awesome. and I'll, I'll keep people posted as well. Great. And uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, my I pleasure. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Um, so thank you very much for coming and talking. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing as well. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Tasha Van Aken, the campaign manager for Julius Salazar for State Senate representing the North Brooklyn area. I mentioned it in the interview and I'll mention it again. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but I do think that you should vote and I think you should get involved with the process and you should vote however you want to. I strongly believe in that. I encourage that. Um, So in the show notes for this episode uh, will be links to both uh, Julia's campaign site and links as well as uh, links to places where you can register if you are not registered currently to vote um there are many ways to get involved also um just get involved with the world and get your voice heard get your opinion into the conversation um and i think that's that's how we improve on things there's no perfect system um we're the people so we have to keep making the system work better and work for us uh That's all for now. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tasha Van Aken um, from Julia Salazar for State Senate of New York, North Brooklyn area. Um, Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Have a good week. And I'll talk to you here soon. I'm here every Monday and Thursday. And if you like the show so far, please subscribe, share, rate, review. And uh, if you're, you see me in Coney Island or you see me somewhere else, uh, come and say hi to me. Um, thank you very much. Peace. Peace.